Welcome to the Wim Daily Podcast. I have Mark Paquette here. I am Jason Mizrahi. We're talking about the Tuesday, June 11th MLB slate. We got a big slate here. I want to give a shout out to everybody who's been listening to our podcast. On Monday, we were pretty much on fire with most of our our plays. Um, Scott Angle and Mark did a great job, and they, they hit on the Arizona stacks, and our writers were all over the Atlanta stacks and the Pittsburgh stacks, and pretty much every team that went off on Monday night, we were on top of. So we appreciate the listeners. Hopefully everybody made some money. We got a big slate for Tuesday night, and we got some adjustments that we got to kind of air out before we get started. Um, there's word we're doing this this very 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 early in the morning on Tuesday morning. Uh, we do have word that there's going to be a game seven uh, in the Stanley Cup. So Boston has slid the start time to an early slate. Currently, it's on the FanDuel slate and a DraftKings slate. We got to see what gets adjusted. I'm assuming they're going to kind of deal with this game kind of like a postponement um, and take it off the main slate. But we have to wait to, to hear from that since we're doing so early in the morning. We're going to have to adjust um, when FanDuel and DraftKings announces the news. And then we also got a doubleheader. The Mets and the Yankees got rained out on Monday. So Tuesday, we're going to have to prepare for a doubleheader, which means probably a late lineup rollout. You got to do some extra research in regards to see how, you know, this Monday, I mean, this Tuesday early game kind of gets played out. So these are little variables that we're going to have to deal with. Um, starters won't probably be announced. So we're going to leave that game for the end. The first game we want to jump into is Toronto versus Baltimore. You know, Baltimore has been swinging better bats as of late. Um, we have Trent Thornton versus Means. Means has been good as well. These are two two offenses that I really don't want to, you know, attack for the most part. This looks like a stay away spot for me. Both pitchers have been pitching better, but they don't have the upside that you want. You know, we're going to start mentioning a couple other pitchers coming up with better matchups. I don't really want too much of this game. Mark, do you have anything to say about this game? Do you like these pitchers? I'm kind of staying away. Any kind of feel here? Yeah, pretty mini- mediocre game, as you said there. I mean, nothing really stands out. I mean, you can always look at some of the the, the good bats that are swinging in. Well, right now for Baltimore and Trey Mancini, but he's priced up. And as you said, Thornton's been pitching better. Means is pitching better. I don't really know where to go here. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, we can circle back to this game later if we really need to find a spot. But with, you know, a large slate like there is on Tuesday night, I think we can stay away from this game. There's, there's pitchers with better upside and, and there's better bats to attack. So let's go into the next game. We have Arizona and Philadelphia. Um, you got Arietta versus Duplantier. Um, Duplantier comes in cheap. Arietta has been battling. Monday nights was a, a shootout in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a hitter's park. Um, these lefties are in play again on both sides. I'm not really sure how much I want to attack Arietta, even though, you know, Arizona had a, a great game on Monday night. I'm probably not going to follow the, the crowd here and attack these D-backs again. It was a totally different matchup, you know, Monday night, Tuesday night. Arietta's been pretty good. I'm not going to attack him from a, a pitcher perspective, even though he has some upside here and, he, and he's a good value. I will probably stay away from him here, but I'm not going to attack Arizona like we did on Monday night. On the, on the flip side of things, I think you can attack um, with some Phillies bats, you know. Yeah. Which one of these bats do you like going into this game? Are you are you going to stick to the lefties due to the the platoons, or do you think you can attack from both sides with guys like Ron Muto and Hoskins? Well, like you said, um, it's a hitter's park. But I mean, looking at Duplantier, don't haven't really heard much about him. But he's he's we always look for people that have the potential to get blown up, and he really hasn't. I mean, his last two starts, which were his only two starts of the year. Uh, he's gone five innings each time and given up two earned runs and three earned runs. Last time out, he was at home against the Dodgers, and he struck out seven in five innings. So I don't think this is a guy who's a horrible pitcher, but if you like the Phillies and their big bats, um, 
not going Bryce Harper because he's about as ice cold as you can go. Reese Hoskins really hasn't done much in a while. He's not swinging the bat well. So you'd have to limit it to Segura, Jay Bruce, uh, people like that if you want some Phillies bats. Yeah, I, I'm not – I'm hoping that the crowd will kind of gravitate to this game due to what happened on Monday. And I'm going to look for better spots. You still have Colorado on the slate. You got, you know, other games that are coming up. I'm going to stay away from this game, and I'm going to I'm gonna move forward. None of these pitchers. Arietta for value. I think he'll be sneaky on Tuesday night for value, but I think there's better pitchers with better upside. Um, let's go into Miami. Looks like we have Dakota Hudson versus Hernandez here. Can you see yourself playing Hudson against his Miami lineup? You know, his Miami lineup has been a little bit hotter as of late. Hudson comes in at a, at a decent value price, but at 8000 8, I think I'd rather pay up some other guys that we're going to mention in the later games. Uh, Hernandez, I don't personally know too much about Hernandez. Have you seen him pitch live? I haven't seen him as of yet. Well, what do you know about Hernandez here? He's being recalled from AAA. He's going to get a start here. He's pitched only two innings this year at the major leagues. I have to do some more info unless you can kind of you know, catch me up to speed on Hernandez here. Well, just reading his FanDuel card, I'll just quote it. In nine starts for AAA this season, Hernandez owns an impressive 1.13 ERA, a 1.02 whip, and 69 to 14 strikeout to walk ratio in 48 innings. He Whoa. has 69 strikeouts in 48 innings at the AAA level. That's very impressive. Um, I don't know much about him. I, I, I can't even say before this start I've ever heard of him. And you're right. He has a couple major league innings this year, but I don't remember that. So, yeah. Well, I'm, looking, I'm looking at our tools. He's popping as a value play. He's going he's gonna to gravitate some ownership because he's only 5,700 on FanDuel. On SP2 on DraftKings, I think it makes a lot of sense. You're rolling the dice with an unknown. But you're rolling the dice with the unknown with somebody who has a high K potential, low, you know, walk rate here. St. Louis does not scare me, especially, you know, when you're taking a, a pitcher from the right-hand side going against them. So I, I I can see somebody attacking them here. It's a pitcher's park. Miami's been doing better as far as getting wins for their pitchers. I see a value play here. You know, for GPPs, rolling the dice on an unknown. He'll, in a large slate like this, he'll go supremely under-owned, I, I believe. You know, on FanDuel, on DraftKings, not so much because, you know, he'll be a value there in the SP2. Um, but on FanDuel, you know, I might roll the dice on a GPP play here and there. You know, I'm going to dig into it. You know, as the day goes on on Tuesday, I'm going to do a lot more research and see what I can find about this guy. And I have to make sure that he's stretched out. You know, yeah, just to, I won't, to finish I won't start anybody who's on a pitch count that's under 80 pitchers. I don't care how good they are. I don't want to be dealing with that. You have one or two rough innings or a couple of long counts, and your whole day's washed. So if I got reports that he's fresh, he's been stretched out, there's no supreme pitch count, and he's projected to pitch 90 to 100 pitchers, you know, I might take a shot on as an SP2. Not so much on, on FanDuel, but, you know, maybe in a, in a smaller GPP makes some sense. Both teams here, as far as hitting goes, I'm staying away. Mark, you're doing the same, I'm assuming? Yeah, just to finish about Hernandez, doing that math, 48 innings and nine starts, it gives you only a little bit more than five innings a start. So maybe they're really careful for him. Maybe, I don't know why he's only averaging a little bit more than five innings per start in the AAA level with those kind of stats. Yeah, hitting-wise, I mean, Hudson's been good. He's a really good uh, run prevention specialty. So looking at his, his card, he's... He hasn't given up more than two earned runs since May 12th against Pittsburgh. So it's probably not going to be any hitters that we're going to look at here. So if you want to have any players from that game, it's probably going to be one of the pitchers, if not both of them here on DK, though that's pretty highly unlikely. Yeah, I think we have the same kind of deal the next game. We have Cincinnati versus Cleveland. Castillo coming off a great start when nobody played him. And you got Bauer, who's been up and down this year, started off the season, you know, pitching amazingly. Now he's getting the strikeouts, but he's he's given up a bunch of runs or a couple of runs each game. 
I think you see a pitcher's duel here. You know, I'm yet to see the over-under in this game, but I wouldn't be shocked that this game finishes 3-1 to one or 2-1 to one or 2 to nothing uh, with both these pitchers showing up. Cleveland does not scare me. Um, either the Cincinnati, the game was in Cincinnati, it'd be a different story. But being that it's in Cleveland, I like both these pitchers here. Uh, I think Bauer for cash games makes a lot of sense. I think he's, you know, with him and Corbin that we're going to mention a little bit later, those are probably your two cash game plays. Pretty easy to to peg them. You're, you're pitching in two pitchers' parks against two weaker offenses. I kind of like Bauer a little bit over Corbin, uh, but I, w- I won't hate you for pitching Corbin over Bauer. I think they're both your cash game plays. You're going to pay up for them, but at 10-3 and 10-8, I don't think you'll have to break the bank like a, a Scherzer type when he's 11-5 or 12,000. I think that's the, the two safest plays as far as your cash games go. I don't really want any bats from this game at, at all. Castillo is, is going to be the wild card, I feel, I feel like, you know, on Tuesday night. Half the field is not going to touch him because everybody's scared off. And then certain people are going to see him in his good start and his last start with eight Ks and six innings versus St. Louis dropping 49 points. I think he's back. Um, he's a tough guy to peg because he has all the talent in the world, but he has all these starts that kind of don't work out for him. So I'm seeing a pitcher's duel. I'm avoiding the bats. Do you feel safe playing Castillo or Bauer, or do you prefer a guy like Corbin or maybe even paying down? I was going to ask you why you liked uh, Bauer over Castillo, where Castillo is $1,000 cheaper on FanDuel, and Cleveland's offense has been – merely pedestrian and that's probably being too generous for him they've generally been pretty bad but i get you know trevor bauer's a good pitcher cleveland's at home they're going to be favored in this game so yeah i mean it's kind of like you said that i'm probably not going to touch any bats here if i wanted to go for a one-off and i'm kind of being hypocritical because i like castillo would be francisco lindor who over the last 10 days or so has been a really good player and he's batting leadoff um, every game. But, yeah, it, it's not really a game for with a ton of targets. Yeah, I think, I think you got to go to your pitchers. I think, you know, there's a, it's a large enough slate, like uh, Matt Stryker says. Don't get cute here. You know, put your money on games that you feel a little bit more confident on. And just for that Bauer versus Castillo point, I think Bauer just provides a little bit more safety than Castillo. He can just get a little erratic, a little wild, and his pitch count gets up. Bauer, for the most part, he's pitching 100 pitches, whether he let up three runs or four runs. And even in bad starts, he racks up the Ks where he still he can have a bad start and drop 30 to 40. And Castillo can have a bad start and drop you 8 to 10. You know, he can have those real big blow-up games. So that's the way I see it kind of playing out. Um, in Boston now, we believe this game is being pushed up. So we're not even going to talk about it, but... The way these pitchers lined up, if if we got some news wrong and a game stays a 7 o'clock game, you're stacking the bats here. You have Gerardo versus Reber. You know, I, I like both sides of this. But, you know, Mark, you have it confirmed already that this game is definitely getting pushed up to, to the 4 o'clock start, correct? Yeah, WEI in Boston has been tweeting and Facebook Facebooking that all evening, and they're a reliable source. So, yeah, don't even talk about it. It's not going to be on the main slate. Okay. Um, so let's skip right to the next game. We have Oakland versus Tampa Bay. It looks like we have fires for Oakland and for Tampa Bay. Do you have a confirmed starter as of yet? It looks like it's one of these, you know, typical Tampa Bay bullpen games. It's hard to tell who it's going to be at this point, you know, doing this so early on Tuesday morning. Do you see a confirmed starter? Are we taking guesses at this point or... Yeah, no confirmed starter. I mean, Tampa Bay, this is a pretty normal thing. Basically, three out of every five games is a bullpen game. They have Morton and Snell, and then that's about it. Um, but obviously, whenever like Jordan Beeks or um, Torinos is, is scheduled to be stretched out, that's a guy you can look at for some value, especially as your number two on a DK. But yeah, I have no idea what they're planning to go with right now. All right. I've been... You know, just to give my opinion on this whole reliever starting, starter coming in afterwards, the game kind of gets played out. It's a great strategy as far as, you know, what Tampa's been doing. It's been working for them for the past year and a half now. And typically it plays out where the game does not get out of hand from, you know, the the Oakland perspective. Tampa Bay is going to start with somebody 
pitch him one or two innings, and then one of their better long relievers come in. He holds it down, and then it's matchup versus matchup versus matchup. And Tampa Bay is good at making the moves and making the changes. That's why they're doing so good this this year in the AL East is their pitching staff is holding up with only two pitchers because their bullpen is doing work here. So Oakland hasn't been, you know, a team that's been doing much as of late. So I'm going to, I'm going to fade Oakland. I'm not playing fires. Um, Tampa guys like Brandon Lowe hit another home run on Monday. Uh, we know what Austin Meadows is about Tampa Bay. I don't know how much longer it's going to run out for, but, They've been typically, you're, you can almost guarantee low ownership, and they're going to put you in the fight. Um, and they've won a lot of people money so far this year because they keep on coming on their own. Their prices are cheap across the board. So I won't, I won't avoid Tampa Bay. I think they still, you know, Brandon Lowe at $3,500 on Fandle on Tuesday night. Looks like a great start. Um, Fires gives up a bunch of home runs. He's a fly ball pitcher. He makes sense. Troy makes sense metals makes a lot of sense um you can run it out with fam or garcia you know they're all in play here are you feeling the same way about tampa yeah to finish the the pitching um it's not going to be tyrannos or yarbrough because they went both pitched in the double header on saturday a lot of innings the most likely candidate candidate is jalen beeks who's a lefty he last pitched on the six which is thursday so this would be his normal like four or five days rest and he went four and a third now the problem with Beeks is he that's the most well, he's gone four and two thirds a couple times and six and two thirds way back on May first. He doesn't go like the seven innings possibly like Yarbrough and um who's the other guy I'm thinking of? Yarbrough and um Trianos. Um but yeah, so bats, yeah, I mean you gotta like uh Tampa bats. Like you said, they always are on their own. You're always saying that that's one of the strongest pitching parks in all of baseball, but then Tampa Bay goes and scores eight, nine runs and wins the game. Um, yeah, and, and it's the young guys you look for. You look for Austin Meadows and Brandon Lowe. Like you said, those are the guys that have been carrying them all year. You wouldn't think that's going to change anytime soon. Yeah, and, you know, Troy hit a home run. Kermeyer hit a home run. So if you grab all the lefties, Lowe, Meadows, Kermeyer, and Troy, you're getting them all pretty cheap. You're getting them low on. It's a big slate. They're probably going to be, you know, you have Colorado on the slate as well. So we're probably talking a very lone-owned stack against a home run-prone pitcher. He's had his good starts, but he's also had his bad starts. So I like Tampa Bay as a sneaky uh, sneaky stack for Tuesday night. Now we got a tough matchup to predict. You have two pitchers who have a bunch of talent going into Atlanta. you got Fulton Evich, which if you stack them on the right nights, have made you a lot of money. And then on the surprise nights where he does well, he's made some people who took the chance on him a bunch of money as well. I can't get a read on either pitcher. I will not pick either of these pitchers. I won't be surprised totally if Fulton Evich has a decent game. But at the same time, I have no courage to pitch either of these guys. I like all the lefties here. Freeman uh, hit another home run. Albies hit a home run. You got Bell and Polanco and Marte even from the right side. I think, you know, if it's hot again in Atlanta, and I don't see why it won't be hot in Atlanta, both sides of this game is stackable. I think this is a game, you know, outside of Colorado, is a game that you probably want to look if you want. If you're a fan of, of game stacking on both sides, I think this is a sneaky game stack game. What's the weather looking like in Atlanta on Tuesday night? Pretty typical for early to mid June. It's not midsummer heat yet, but it'll be warm and the ball will carry. Um, and we saw that tonight. It wasn't extremely warm by any stretch of the imagination, nor as humid as it could be, but it, the ball still carries. And it, it's historically, well, it's only like three years old, this park, but it carries very well to right center of the ball. So, you, like you said, you look for some lefties, and Freeman um, stands out the most in the Braves lineup. But then you saw Okuna hit a massive home run as well, a grand slam in the second inning that traveled well over 400 feet. It really doesn't matter. The ball carries in that park. Yeah, so I think I think both you know both teams here come in. You can grab them for one-offs. You can grab them with their stacks. But you know you don't want to really you know play these pitchers. At least I don't. You know if you want, you have some courage, you want to play Fulton Nevis, I won't hate you for it. But I think there's better pitches on the slate, both from a, a value perspective and an overall. Um, point perspective, I'd rather stay away from this game. 
Now you got the resurgent Martin Perez going against Seattle has been, you know, one of the worst teams in the league as of late. Um, and Mike Leake, Minnesota again. Anytime Minnesota and Tampa Bay on the slate, they're not a sexy team as far as names and, and recognition goes. But again, winning a bunch of people money. If you look at the stats, Minnesota's been crushing the ball. They get the face off as Mike against Mike Leake, and again, everybody's in play. You want to have your lefties, but I wouldn't be afraid to take a guy like Cruz. I wouldn't be afraid to take a guy um, like Sano. But, you know, we start with the lefties. We start with Kepler. We start with Rosario. Um, Polanco, switch hitting. Polanco, Rosario, Kepler, and Cruz is probably where you want to be, one through four. But this lineup is deep. This lineup is playing, you know, some, some great baseball from a hitting perspective. And I'm not sure what to do with Martin Perez. Um, I'm not going to play him. I think he's too risky, even though he's been good. I'm going to stay away from Perez. I think he's a little too expensive. I don't really want to attack Seattle. I still don't believe in the Martin Perez, you know, fame that he's had to start this year. So I like the bats from Minnesota, and I'm going to pretty much fade Seattle and, and fade Perez. Even though Perez is coming at a, at a slight discount from where he was, if you look at his last couple of starts, People are starting to get to him. So his last three starts, he went five innings versus the Angels, let up two earned runs, but the Ks were down. He didn't last long in Tampa. Tampa blew him up for six earned runs. And then again in Cleveland, he fell short of five innings, and he hasn't been the same pitcher. I don't know if people are figuring him out. He's getting a little bit tired or, you know, just catching up to him. These balls of player getting hit a little bit harder. I'm staying away from Perez. It's it's solely a, a Minnesota stack from a hitting perspective. Um, you have no are you have any play here outside of Minnesota? Well, you mentioned Mike Leake. Now some teams might be or players may not say. Hey, well, look at Leake's stats. His last two stats, he had a complete game, one earned run, five strikeouts against Houston, and the start before that, seven innings, two earned runs, five hits against the Angels, both in um, victories. So they might say, well, maybe Mike Leakes figured something out. Well, you think about it, Houston is using basically a triple-A lineup where everyone but Bregman is injured. And the Angels, besides Trout, um, can be pitched to. So I think Leakes a fraud. So you mentioned using lefties on Minnesota Target field is a great place to hit for righties, for right-handed batters, with power to left field. And so you mentioned the, the one through four stack, including like Cruz and players like that. Load up on Twins. Get as many as you can in there. They're going to have low ownership too, very low ownership because of the Rockies being playing at home and with Leak pitching better. The Twins will blow Leak up. I'm pretty confident in that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, here's the game we gotta we gotta look at pitching as well. We have these Nats are starting to heat up. They're starting to win some games. Um, they're coming in against you know the White Sox and Dylan Covey. Corbin is is projected you know on our tools and our projection models. And be sure to check out our projection models. Not only are we doing this podcast, not only are we providing articles day in and day out. We have multiple projection models that are proven you know from DFS pros. Created by DF Pro, DFS pros, updated, you know, with new stats and new statistics every single day. Corbin is, is topping some of the charts here. He's coming off some good starts um, outside of his last two. I tend to think, you know, me personally, I tend to think Bauer, for whatever reason, my guts tell him he's a safer play. I've been, I've had a tough time to be honest to get Corbin right. I, I don't really like to target him too much. When I don't play him, he drops 50 or 60 or 50 points. And when I play him in good matches like San Diego in his last start, he drops 24. So I'm going to side with some caution here. My gut's telling me to play Bauer over Corbin, even though it's a little bit more expensive. Or it's a couple pitchers that, you know, they're still left on the slate that maybe for discounts makes sense. But I don't really feel like paying off for Corbin here unless you can sell me into – attacking these White Sox bats, but they have enough guys with Abreu, McCann, um, Mankata. I kind of want to stay away here, but do you see, you know, Corbin bouncing back from his last start and putting up a a 40, 50-point game here? 
you you mentioned you don't seem to get him right. I don't either. Um, who is the other pitcher that you always talked about that you got? Oh, Rich Hill. Yeah, got. Rich Hill. They kind of remind me of the same yeah. guy. They're both, uh, you know, they, they veteran lefties. So yeah. Yeah, they they kind of just annoy the living hell out of me, and I play him on the wrong nights. I don't play him on the right nights, and they abuse me. You know, any way you want to look at it, and it's it's tough to figure out. You know, from my perspective, so. I'm going to side with caution here. I think there's enough bats here that worry me. The White Sox is kind of a neutral park, but sometimes it plays better for the hitters. Um, I'm not sure what the weather's going to be like. There's going to be a DH in town, so he doesn't get that, you know, those easy kind of um, at-bats, even though Bauer's the same thing. I'm going to stay away here from Corbin. I don't really feel like paying up, even though the models are saying that he's projected to have a good game. I'd rather stay away here. As far as bats go, the Nats are starting to heat up. Guys like Ian Turner, Adams is starting to play a little bit better, a little bit more consistently. Kendrick is still cheap. You know, at $3,000, Kendrick and Adams at 2800 make a lot of sense. And don't forget um, Turner, $4,000 if you're willing to pay up. If you got that, I don't mind him. Dozier's been good. Yeah. Soto and Eaton. You know, I, I pretty much think these, these Nats come in as one of the top stacks. Um, going into Chicago versus Covey. And I think pretty much anybody's playable from this side. I'm not sure if I'm going to pay off for Rendon, no. You made a great point about the DA. So Corbin doesn't ha- get to pick on the pitcher, get a one out of every nine outs. But on the other hand, you mentioned Bauer. The Reds are a National League team going to American League Park. So generally, National League teams don't have a DH built onto their roster. You know what I mean? Where yeah. you have a veteran slugger that doesn't not good in the field think of luke voigt or something like that the the reds will be using a bench player that would normally be on the bench so i don't know who their fourth outfielder is i know philip Irvin's in the minors but he's not that good whoever he is so you're right that corbin will be having to go against an extra batter while bauer will probably be uh at the same level of facing a pitcher another time yeah so i'm gonna I'm going to try to stay away from Corbin. I'm not going to play him. I, you know, he's coming up in models and our models that he's going to have a good game, but I'd rather pay down or, or pay up a little bit and get Bauer. Now we've got an interesting game here in Houston. Like you said, Houston's been, you know, trying to battle these injuries that they have. You got Peacock versus Peralta. Tough little matchup here. I don't, I don't feel safe, even though Peacock's had a good year. I don't really want to attack these these Brewers against any pitcher. So I'm, I'm fading Peacock 100%. I can still see the Brewers get to him. And then from the standpoint of, you know, attacking Peralta, the lefties are where you want to go here. You want to get guys like Reddick and Brantley um, whenever you can. They come in somewhat expensive, like Brantley's $3,900 on Fando, a guy that I – Usually have a tough time penciling in because he doesn't hit with too much power. Bregman's always in play. I don't have to explain him. You know, he's good on both sides. This game is it's tough to peg at this point, but I'm going to lean with the lefties, you know, for Houston slightly over Milwaukee because they have the better matchup versus Peralta than uh, Peacock. But, you know, it's it's for the most part a neutral spot for me on both sides where – I don't really want – if Houston had their, their their A lineup and nobody was hurt, you know, I would be stacking these Houston bats. But with the lineups they've been putting out lately without Altuve, without Springer, without Correa, you know, like you said, there's a, there's a lot of holes in this lineup. They just need to, you know, avoid a guy like Bregman, avoid a guy like Reddick and Brantley, and then the rest of the lineup is kind of meh, not so great. So do you, do you, do you want a Houston stack here versus the, the Peralta – or do you want to take a chance and pitch Peacock? Anything here? Short answer, I'm not stacking Houston against Peralta. Peralta, as much as people like to pick on him in DFS, his last five starts go this way. One earned run, one earned run, two earned runs, zero earned runs, one earned run, zero earned run. So that's actually six starts. He's not getting blown up. He's not even giving up a lot of runs. Um, he hasn't given up more than two earned runs in a start since all the way back on May 2nd. Some of them are shortened, you know, so yes. it might be somewhat of a bullpen game, but this Milwaukee yeah. bullpen is, is one of their strong suits too, so 
And yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a stay away spot, to be honest. In Houston, you know, is going to be starting Miles Straw, Derek Fisher, and Tony Kemp. If they had their regular lineup, they would be either in the minors or on the bench. So, yeah, it's not a place where I'm going to be using Houston. And on the other side, Peacock's pretty good in Milwaukee. Isn't the same offensive team on the road as they are at home. Yes, they're still very good, but I don't think I'm going to be picking on Peacock either. He's been pretty darn good. Yep, I agree totally. So now we have a game here where if you're willing to take a chance here, I think you might have your your two value pitchers of the slate. Kansas City, Detroit, two weaker lineups playing in a pitcher's park. You got Junis versus Turnbull. I've made some money this year so far taking some shots at both these pitchers when they're in good matchups. Uh, Junis... He has the potential. He's had some good games so far this year. In his last, you know, four starts, he hasn't really been blown up outside of a game versus Boston. But at 6,800, just so the listeners know, at 6,800, your goal is around 30 points. If you can get 30 points or even the high 20s, you know, he makes sense, especially with the game in Colorado coming up and, you know, bats are getting more expensive. He's had multiple games where he's pushed over 30 points, and he's getting a, a dream matchup in Detroit. He's faced Detroit, you know, it's been a, about a month and a half, close to two months already, uh, when he, faced, he last faced Detroit. It's pretty much the same lineup, and he dropped 37 on him, you know, earlier this, this season. His K rate, you know, has been pretty consistent. He's gotten five, seven, seven, six in his last four in better matchups, um, you know, or worse matchups than Detroit. So I think, you know, Junis comes in as one of your better values of the day at 6,800. You know, I think I'm going to roll a lot of Junis out. And, you know, I'm not going to play too much cash tomorrow because I don't like the cash pitchers. So from a GBP perspective, I like Junis a lot at 6,800. I don't think anybody flashes the upside that he does with some safety in the matchup because, you know, all the the mid-tier guys have tougher matchups. I really like uh, Junis for a value play tomorrow, and I don't even hate Turnbull, but I think I'll take the thousand dollar discount in Junis over Turnbull. Do you agree? Do you disagree here? He sold me. He sold me. My value play was going to be Felix Pena from the Angels, who's going to be the dominant pitcher tomorrow, the predominant pitcher. But when you compare the two pitchers, Junis is only five hundred dollars more, and he's much safer. Um, so why would I go with Pena? And Pena is going against the Dodgers, while Junis is going against the Tigers. You can't compare those two teams offensively. So I'm sold, and I, I agree with you 100 percent there. Yeah, at 6800, he's going to come in as a home favorite. He's not going to be a huge favorite when the line gets published, but he'll be a favorite. And Pena will get some a little bit later. He's definitely not going to come in as a favorite. You know, going against his Dodger team. So I think. You pay the $500, you get the discount. I mean, you get the the little bit more safety there. But, you know, I don't really want any bats here from either side. Now we're going in a game that you pretty much want to stack all these guys because you want to attack um, lefties going into Colorado. And I, I believe to the same extent, you know, I like when the, the Cubs are facing a righty. So you got Lambert versus Quintana. You know, load up on all your lefties um, coming out of Chicago. Schwarber hit another home run. Rizzo's in a great spot. I can play Brian or Baez any night of the week. So any of these Cubs bat, I'm not going to sell you off any of them. I think they're all in play. And then Quintana, lefty going into Coors. Um, Arenado, another home run on Monday. Um, Story's in a great spot. Depending on who they roll out in the outfield, Desmond, or if they put Reynolds at first base, you want to grab all the righties you can against Quintana. Um, I think you most likely, this is your clear-cut number one and number two stacks, 1A, 1B. Um, I want to get all my bats from this game. I want to load up on this game. I want to get whatever pitcher allows me to get the most players from this game, and I think that's Junis, and I think you stack them up. Um, Anything to add on to this game? Well, one thing that's interesting is that Quintana and Lambert, their last opponents were against the teams they're facing. So you can look at how they did as sort of a guide. And Quintana went seven and a third, but only struck out four. So if you have a guy 
that doesn't strike out a lot of batters going to Coors, that generally spells some trouble. And on the other side, Lambert, he struck out nine in seven innings against the Cubs. So if we're in a believer of this, generally the batters have an advantage the second time they face a pitcher or consecutive times because they get to know them a little bit better in their pitchers. So, And another factor is the weather will be exactly the same tonight as it is last night, as it was last night. Another point that we should look at is watch their bullpen usage uh, for the Colorado Rockies in the Cubbies. As of I'm looking at it now, they are still using their starters, I believe. So we want to make sure if for some reason the teams end up using three or four bullpen guys, they're going to be asking the, the starters tomorrow or today, excuse me, Tuesday, to uh, be going deeper in the game. So if that's the case, they may have to take their lumps. So just be careful. Look what happened last night uh, and use that as a guide for tonight because things really won't be that much, much different, I believe. Now, this guy Lambert obviously had a great start um, in Chicago. It was his first start of the year. Have you read anything? I didn't see that start. I'll be honest. I didn't see that start. I'm going to dive more into you know, researching him uh, prior to that, prior to the, the slate on Tuesday. Um Anything that you know about this guy? Did you watch any of the start? Pretty impressive stat line. Don't get me wrong. Nine strikeouts versus Chicago and any day of the week. I don't care what the weather was like, what's going on, but it's a great a great outing. Um, do you know much about this guy here? All I know is that he made a lot of DFS people upset because he stacked the Rockies against him. Um, I don't know anything about him. I'm doing a quick Google search. He's 20 two years old so he's a fairly young guy he's yeah it looks like I, I pulled it up here he's got a yeah. 5.07 era 1.31 whip and a 51 to 16 k to walk ratio in 60 innings so it's not he like he had in the second round in 2015 so he must have some potential and that was a high school pitcher getting drafted in the second round so the rockies must have seen something yeah i think you know uh, I'm going to do some more research, but I'm definitely going to lean towards these bats here. Uh, second time around in Colorado, coming home. I don't know, I'm going to I'll proceed with a little bit of caution until I do some more research on research on Lambert. The numbers from the minor leagues don't scare me. Him pitching in cores makes me want to target these lefty bats. And I think you know, getting some film from Rizzo, Schwarber, Baez, Bryant, you know, even guys like Hayward here. Um, they all are going to be on my target list. Carlos Gonzalez, you know, coming in at 3,300 makes some sense as well. So I'm going to still look to target. I'm going to do some more research, talk to the rest of our team, and see if anybody's got a, a strong feel on Lambert here. You know, one of our writers, Joel, um, lives in Colorado, so I'm going to I'm going to dig into him for some research here and see if I can take advantage of the the hometown crowd and see what he knows about him. See if I can even get him to write an article. You know, kind of you know, targeting him and seeing what he knows about him. But, you know, on the initial thought, it's a game in cores, the second game of the series, they get settled in here. Um, I'm going to look this at is, them. This is just a guess here, but I'm guessing he's the, probably the classic Rockies pitcher where he's a ground ball pitcher. Looking at the three seasons where he um, pitched the most in the minor leagues, he's giving up more than a hit in inning. He's not striking out anywhere near a batter in inning. But he doesn't walk anybody, and he doesn't give up a ton of homers. So that looks like the very classic John Grayish type of thing, where he just limits runs, keeps the ball in the ground. That's their philosophy as a starting pitcher. Yeah, so we'll do some more research, but I think the initial the initial read for me is these Cubs are still well in play, and I'm definitely not going to pitch them after one good start. That's that's for sure. Um, we got another interesting guy here. We got Paddock, 9,300, you know, going to San Fran. San Fran is a team that you want to attack, just like Detroit and, you know, some of the other teams you mentioned earlier. I think Paddock's in a weird spot, though. At 9,300, I kind of want to pay up for for Bauer um, over him. And I kind of want to pay down to get Bats and Graham Junis. So I'm leaning to, to fade Paddock. I think he's pretty safe for, you know, low 30s. But at 9,300, you, you kind of want a little bit more. And, 
you know, doing some more research on a game that we kind of skipped that we'll get to. I think Paxton versus the Mets. It looks like Paxton starting game two. I got to see where the Mets are starting game two, but he's going to come in as a favorite with Paxton. I think he has a little bit more upside than Paddock in this matchup at the same price on FanDuel. I'm going to leave Paxton over Paddock. So I think, you know, Paddock will go under own. He's been a little bit shaky as of late. I'm going to stay away, either pay up for Paxton or Bauer, or, you know, I'll go to the discount on Junis and, and kind of get these Colorado bats, some other bats that I want. So I, I won't hate you for playing them. I think it makes some sense, but I think there's better plays on the board, so I'm not going to force Paddock, you know, versus these Giants here. And on the on the backside, Beatty at 5,800. Comes in at a decent value, don't get me wrong, but I always like to compare other people in his range. I think, you know, the guy we mentioned earlier, Hernandez, who has that K potential, um, I think he kind of comes in above him because um, he probably has a better chance at the win the way Miami's been playing versus San Francisco. And I think paying up another 1000 to Junis, at a guy like 6800 you could pretty much get all the bats you, you could possibly need. So I'm going to stay with Junis over, over both of them. Do you have any love for Paddock here going into San Fran? No, not really. Paddock has some pretty market road home splits. His most of his dominant starts have been on the, at home, and a couple of his bad starts have been on the road. So he's obviously on the road today. So if that uh, pattern would continue, then he wouldn't necessarily have a good start. On the other side, Beatty is just walking a ton of batters. Basically, I think he's had 18 walks over his last 19 innings or something like that. So. Just some major control problems, getting runners on base. So if you want to go with some San Diego bats, who I'm pretty sure are going to be priced down throughout the industry, go for it. I always like using Fran Mill Rays uh, just because of the power he produces. And, yeah, I see him. I don't even see him on because he's oh, he's 3,200. So he, he's the third most expensive bat in that game. But still, that's not a lot of money to spend. Yeah, I think I'm going to stay away from BD personally. And, you know, I think Padres make sense if you want to go super, super low on stack and hope for a late night hammer. But you got Colorado. You got a couple other games that we mentioned. I'm going to stay away from this. I think if I'm going to go for a late late night hammer, you know, it's going to be the Dodgers. Anytime the Dodgers are facing a righty, Bellinger, Seager, Muncie, um, they're all going to be in play here. I, I don't I don't agree with playing Pena. I know he's been pretty good. He flashes some upside. He has a K potential, but there's too much risk alongside his K potential. He's not going to last too long. There's only been one start, really, where he lasted more than five innings and everything else. He, he starts well, but he, he finishes bad. That's why he can't really, you know, keep his spot in the rotation too long. I'm, I'm going to stay away from, you know, Pena, I like the Dodgers here for another stack that goes slightly on their own. There'll be more owned than obviously San Diego, but I think with a large slate, you can get guys like Bellinger, Muncy, Seager, uh, even guys like Turner, supremely on their own here. So I, I like the Dodgers for another sneaky stack. I don't know how sneaky they'll be, but just for the simple fact it's a late game, I see them being you know slightly on their own. And you know they're not too expensive. They, there might be a good team to stack with Colorado. Or Chicago, depending on how you see that game playing out. But Muncie at 3,700, Jock at 3,700, Bellinger's the only one you really have to pay up for at 4,700. But I think he comes in as the, you know, one of the top plays of the night, you know, overall. And Seager at 3,600, he's starting to heat up. So you want to grab these lefty bats from the Dodgers, and you can always sprinkle in a Justin Turner at 3,200. Nobody's gonna hate on you for that. But I, I, I don't really want Maeda here. You know, I think you pay up or you pay down. I think that's the way this slate's being broken out with Junis at 6,800 or Paxton and Bauer. So I'm crossing off Maeda, and I like these Dodger bats. Do you agree, or do you want to take a chance on a guy like Maeda in, in his mid-salary range? No, he's going against Trout. I mean, you never you never know when Trout's going to break out and have a monster game. So I don't like Maeda. On the other side, the Dodgers bats are always in play, as you said, but they haven't been lighting the world on fire like they had been in April. Uh, Bellinger has obviously cooled off quite a bit. We saw the only offense come in Sunday's game when, in that memorable first inning home run that led to the 
shouting match between Baumgartner and Muncie, where Muncie told him, if you don't like me uh, walking around the bases, don't throw the ball. So I hit it in the ocean, which was a classic line, which I'm sure Madison Baumgartner will remember later in the year. But yeah, it's the Dodgers bats. You never know when they're going to break out. It could be this game. Um, Felix Pena is probably not going to start, but he's probably going to figure it in the Tampa Bay style of being the reliever that pitches for five or six innings. And you're right. I mean, why would I spend 6300 on him when I can go get Junis for 6800 if I want to be cheaper? Or that rookie Hernandez, and he's pitching for Miami, who's even cheaper. So, yeah, I, I agree with you here. So let's circle back. Um, it looks like due to the the rain postponement in New York. We're going to get Paxton versus Vargas. They're going to slot Wheeler up for the first game, Paxton versus Vargas in the second game. I was, I was debating stacking these Yankees um, on Monday before the postponement. I always like to talk attack Vargas. I know he's been better as of late, but when a guy has a bad day, he's not even getting out of the first inning and he's letting up six, seven runs. So, I like to attack Vargas anytime he comes out. I think he's a bum. Um, so I like these Yankees bats. And I think Paxton is a guy at 9,400. I like him for the discount over a guy like Bauer and Corbin. I think my ownership's going to be spread between Paxton, Bauer, and Junis, especially if these Mets roll out uh, a lineup in the, in the second game that comes out a little bit watered down because. Now, maybe they mixed and matched and played some of their better starters in the first game. So if I see some guys getting a, a you know a break in the second game and that lineup for the Mets gets even worse than it already is, which is pretty terrible, um, I'll side Paxton even up even more. So I might look to put Paxton as my, my cash game starter and take that discount over Bauer. And, you know, my GPPs, I'll probably split exposure between him and Junis. And, again, these Yankees bats, I don't have to remind you, they're good at hitting – Yankees is a pitch is a hitter's park. These righties like Voight, Sanchez, Torres, even grabbing a guy like Mabin or, or somebody down at the bottom of the lineup for value makes a lot of sense. And let's not forget Frazier. They don't want to slot him up in the lineup, but he's doing a lot of damage from the six and seven hole. You know, he's made me some money this year so far. So I like any of the righties bats against Vargas. He's a little crafty, but I'll attack him all day long from the right side. So I think Paxton's in play, and I think the the Yankees are firmly in play from a stack perspective. Now, I mean, if there's ever a chance where you can get a Yankee on their own, it may be this game against Paxton. His last start, I think a million people in DFS used him, and he really disappointed. He gave up three earned runs and only four and two-thirds inning against the Blue Jays back on the 5th of June. And I think this is the time to use him. As you said, 9,400, he's the cheapest of the big-name pitchers that you're getting out there. You're going against the Mets, you mentioned. You don't know who's going to be playing in the second game. And even if they go with their A lineup, guess what? All their best hitters are from the left-hand side. You got Smith, you got McNeil, and you got Conforto. Who's going to hurt you for James Paxson? Are you worried about Todd Frazier or Ahmed Rosario? Not really. I mean, he should have a cakewalk. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm really thinking here. So I think... You know, when you look at the slate from a pitcher's perspective, check out this watered-down lineup from the Mets. Hopefully we get it early enough because it looks like it's probably going to be 7 o'clock. Maybe they might push it back to an 8 o'clock start. It's yet to be determined. But, you know, the Paxton comes in as someone you can play up top that also provides some value and some safety. So for me right now, if I had to make a choice, I'm playing Paxton in my cash games. I'm playing Junis in my... GPPs, and I'll probably get a little bit of ownership on some Bauer. That's that's going to be my three pitches that I'm going to, you know, look to attack. And from a hitter's perspective, I think that Colorado game is the clear-cut, you know, number one target on the board. I think the Yankees come and play. I think the Reds, the Red Sox, like I like we 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 think is going to happen, are going to slide up to that four o'clock time slot with the with the Stanley Cup happening. So we got to see how the this the sites play that game out. Minnesota's in play, and the Dodgers are in play for me. So if I had to rate the stacks, I'm going Colorado and Chicago, 1A and 1B. I like Minnesota. I like the Dodgers. 
And last but not least, I'm going to throw the Yankees in. Those are my top five stacks, but let's not sleep on Tampa Bay and let's not sleep on Atlanta again coming in, you know, versus Archer. Um, They've been swinging some really hot bats as well. So that's how I round it out. Mark, any final touches on on the slate? I guess what I'm going to say here is that if you – Want to use Paxson and the bats in Colorado? You're going to have to get creative, aren't you, Jason? So, I'm looking at some of the cheaper bats from both the teams, and you, you may have to go. Hopefully, that uh, Mark Reynolds is in the lineup. Only twenty eight hundred dollars. He hasn't been playing every day against lefties. So, but yeah, look, look and see Caratini from the Cubs, who was in the lineup today at thirty one hundred. Uh, people like that. You're going to have to try to get some cheaper bats in if you want to pay up for Paxson. Not that he's super expensive, but you're probably not going to just go Arenado, Story, Rizzo, Bryant. That's not going to happen. No, yeah, it's going to be tough unless you go with a guy like Junis. Um, so that's about it. Check out the weather. We got a couple variables with the doubleheader, the game that's getting pushed up in Boston. So make sure you check out the site. Make sure you follow you know, us on Twitter and Windaily DFS. Our website, WindalyDFS.com. We'll have three, four more articles published by the time you guys wake up on Tuesday. Um, The tools. Do not forget the tools. The tools are multiple projection systems. K-rates and, you know, WOBA and all the advanced statistics that make a big difference in DFS. So make sure you check out the tools. Make sure you check out with the weather. Mark is producing a weather report, you know, multiple times throughout the day. He'll be on Twitter and he'll be up on the website. And, you know, outside of those couple of things, we have sports betting articles that been hitting. I've been hitting, you know, as many as I want to jump on that I agree with. You know, I'll put my money behind my guys. Um, they've been doing a great job so far. So Steve and, and John, check them out. You know, on the site, there's a sports betting tab. Check them out. They updated before lock. You know, they're not going to put their, their money behind games at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. They wait to see lineups. They wait to see matches. They wait to see late-breaking news, line movements. So, you know, make sure you're checking the, the website throughout the day and hit the sports betting tab, hit the tools tab, and make sure you get all the value out of the website. So we hope every main, everybody made money on Monday night listening to Scott and Mark, and we hope you guys make money on Tuesday night, you know, listen to myself and, and Mark again. Uh, have a great night, and we'll talk to you guys soon, and good luck in your games.